Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 44, an interview with Obama Girl producer Ben Rellis. I got a crush on Obama tonight. Oh yeah, we have the brains behind the Obama Girl videos. We'll get to that in about a minute. But first, let me wish everyone a happy new year, a happy Rosh Hashanah. This is year 5768 in the Jewish calendar. And, you know, I always try to make a connection between one thing and another. It just so happens that one of the things I just found out about last week, and Ben and I talk about it very briefly in the interview, is an answer video. That is a video in response to the I Got a Crush on Obama video called Russia Shana Girl. I'll put a link to it on my site, but it's a really funny video. And it shows you the enormous impact that the Obama Girl videos have already had on our popular culture. Well, let's get right to the interview. You'll hear me introduce Ben, and then Ben and I will start talking. Enjoy. Well, I'm here with Ben Rellis, who is the brains behind the Obama Girl videos and songs. You've heard some of them on this podcast, and in fact, they've been all over the web on YouTube. So, Ben, why don't we start with you uh, telling us a little bit about how you first came up with this wild idea. Yeah, sure. So, I actually contacted a friend of mine named Leah Kaufman, and we had worked on a different project together called My Box in a Box. And that video went out in January, and it got something like 10 million views online. So we wanted to have another go at it, and I approached Leo with this idea, what if we did a song about a presidential candidate? Then we came to the idea of Barack Obama, and you know, a few months later we had a song. Now, this has been uh, listened to and viewed by millions of people. Did you expect it to have that level of impact when you did it, uh, or did it exceed your expectations? You know, I think we actually, when we recorded the song and we saw the video, we actually did think that millions of people might see it. I think what really surprised us and surpassed our expectations has been how much it became part of the political dialogue this year, where we were getting requests from international news stations, and somebody asked if we could be in the museum, and we got another request for Amber to actually you know, appear and moderate a debate between candidates in a local election. So that's been a lot, you know, a lot of what's come out of it beyond just the YouTube views has been what's really surprised us. Amber is perfect uh, for this part. You know, you, you, she looks as if she is the Obama girl and has been yeah. that all her life. Did you go through an extensive audition to choose Amber, or was she one of the first that just occurred to you? It really wasn't that extensive. I think I probably met with five or six people, and the great thing about working with Amber was I had a whole speech planned about how you know, this is going to be huge and you're going to be all over the place and, you know, we're going to try to create this character that's going to be, you know, all over the place. And basically, I didn't even really get to that part. She heard the song that Leah wrote and kind of took her earphones off and said, yeah, I'll do it. It sounds great. So that was a big part of the project for me was finding people to work with that were really excited about working on it. And Amber definitely fit in that category where as soon as we started filming, you could tell she really kind of threw herself into this part of Obama Girl. 
Yeah, she looks great and sounds great. Now, Leah Kaufman, whose name you mentioned, wrote the uh, words and music. Do you think she feels at all badly that uh, it's really her words, her ideas, but as far as the general public is concerned, she's not the Obama girl? Um, you know, I really don't think so. I think she actually specifically enjoys that to a degree, that she gets to do her own serious music, and then she gets to do some of these spoof songs. And she actually does get attention in different ways, like Blender Magazine, which is a very popular music magazine, actually this month announced their top 100 hottest artists of 2007. And they actually put Leah Kaufman as the number 66, you know, hot artist of 2007. I think it's that kind of stuff that, you know, she's more interested in being recognized in the music community for writing great songs, because even though it's not always talked about in the press, I think people appreciate the fact that part of the reason whether it's Box in a Box or Crush on Obama or the follow-up songs that we've done, the music itself actually stands on its own as, as really great music. Yeah, I agree completely. For some reason, my favorite is the O is the sec. I was going to say the O second. I have an O on my mind. It's my favorite is the second Obama girl uh, video. You know, the Obama girl yeah. versus Giuliani. I mean, I think it's just an irresistible melody, which could be a you know a top ten, even you know number one song just in its own right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely catchy. And actually, we sent it to a couple of radio stations, and some got back to us and said, you know, we'd love to play it, but we just can't play this political stuff. So, you know, the songs could play on college radio and they get played on Internet radio, but you know, typically you know, mainstream radio just can't play songs that are about political candidates. You know, I was talking to a reporter today from the Baltimore Sun, uh, David Zeralnik. He's doing a piece on cable television and new programs like Californication, but we somehow drifted off into talking about how some parts of the mass media, and actually not usually newspapers, more radio stations and traditional television stations just don't get it. They just don't get what's happening on the Internet and how so much more important what people can see on YouTube or on your webpage, baileypolitical.com, that that has much more impact than something you just see on a regular TV news show. Yeah. So in yeah. a way, it's not surprising uh, that the radio station gave you that lame response. Yeah, I, mean, I think it can be more impactful. And one of the things which I think is interesting, obviously, about you know online as, a, as an entertainment channel is that it can be much more of a dialogue than television or print or radio. So when we put out a video, part of what makes the process so exciting is that we immediately get back hundreds of comments and emails and you know a lot of actual communication with people who create their own videos and. Yesterday, I actually saw something which was a Rosh Hashanah girl, and it was a you know, <laughs> Jewish girl who wrote an entire song to the tune of Crush on Obama, which was called I Gotta Love You, Rosh Hashanah, and that already has 20,000 views online. I think that's what makes the digital channel for entertainment so much more exciting, for me at least, is that you have an opportunity to create these storylines, but then they can play out in a lot of different ways than just kind of doing the same character over and over and replacing the jokes. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how far we can take that, but that has certainly been one of the more rewarding parts of this process is getting a lot of feedback from other people, being able to incorporate some of that feedback and use some of their ideas. Absolutely. And it's sort of interesting, the, the traditional gatekeepers who get in the way uh, of the public and the producers, as you've just been saying, 
just aren't there on the web, and that's what makes it so exciting. Even the way that you and I first came into contact, I think what happened was I saw the, uh, of course, I'd seen the first uh, Obama Girl video, but I wrote a blog piece after seeing the second Obama Girl video. You sent me an email saying, hey, that's great. We exchanged a couple of emails. You came to lecture yeah. to one of my classes. So, I mean, th that kind of thing just couldn't happen on television or, or radio traditionally. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen as much. But it is interesting. There was something on just this weekend on Saturday Night Live in the 80s, and there was something about um, Conan O'Brien talking about Lauren Michaels and how one of the things that makes him great as a producer is that if somebody came to him with a sketch for Saturday Night Live, Lauren Michaels might say make it a little shorter, but he wouldn't necessarily start meddling in all the details and trying to change what that creator's vision was. And that's really the great thing to me about online Right now, YouTube, Rever, Break.com, whatever it is, that a lot of the content that you see, you can just tell, you know, a lot of it's really raw, but you can tell it hasn't been filtered five times through all kinds of different standards and practices and will this be approvable by this brand or that brand. It just feels like it's something that one individual got to see through from beginning to end. And that comes across, and that's what's great about a lot of these videos, that they're not necessarily huge production budget pieces, and, and they certainly don't have huge cast and crews, but what they do have typically is kind of a good core original idea at the heart of the, the actual video. Yeah, the only uh, example of that in the mass media is maybe Stanley Kubrick, Charlie Chaplin in movies, you know, the Beatles when they became incredibly famous, uh, but even they were still working with George Martin. So I think it is a rarity. Let, let's look at another aspect of this, which I know you've given a lot of attention to, and that's the response of the Obama campaign, Obama's family, Barack Obama himself, to these uh, videos. And uh, it's been a mixed response. What do you think about all that? Well, I mean, I, I definitely sympathize <laughs> with candidates and the fact that, you know, that anything they say can be, you know, taken out of context or turned into some kind of video. And that, you know, to a degree, it's a great thing that individuals have an opportunity to you know, put out whatever message they want, but it certainly presents challenges for candidates. And when we put this video out and it started really getting big, you know, my sense was that the Obama campaign initially wasn't really upset about the video, but they also certainly weren't going to put out a press release saying, you know, we love the video. And the first comment that came out from his wife was basically that, you know, if people have a crush on Obama, well, more power to them. And, and that was a good thing to hear. And then a few weeks later, Obama came out and said, you know, basically that his, you know, his kids were asking him about it and that people need to be responsible on the Internet with what they put out there. And, you know, I agree with that. I understand where he's coming from. And, you know, that's one of the, the tricky things about a site like YouTube is that it's, um, you know, it, it, it's available for anybody to use and put up whatever they want. And in the same quote that he said that about us, he also said that, you know, it seemed like what we were doing certainly wasn't malicious. And I don't get the sense that, he was really upset by the video. I'm more under the impression that, you know, the the Obama campaign as a whole, you know, wanted to make sure that, you know, that people knew that there's a certain responsibility that you have to take when, when you're putting out YouTube videos or any of these kind of videos because anybody can see them. Well, I think that certainly makes sense. My opinion, as you know, is I think Obama and his campaign should be delighted uh, with the Obama girl videos. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's face it, he's in, he's in second or third place. 
Hillary Clinton, by the way, uh, I understand over 70 million people saw the uh, Sopranos spoof that she Mm -hmm. and Bill Clinton did after the finale of The Sopranos, which was really hilarious. But that shows you the power, uh, as we were talking about, of, of the Internet. And if I were Obama's people, I would be thrilled that you're doing this kind of thing. And, and as you know, yeah. in, my, in my blog, I've even said if Obama wins, and I think there's a chance he might. I mean, he has, he has a lot yeah. of good qualities. It, in, in some way, a significant way, you, Ben Rellis, and this whole BaileyPolitical.com team will yeah. uh, deserve part of the credit for that. I mean, I, you know, I think it's, I've been pretty clear that I admire, you know, Senator Obama a lot and, and really think that, uh, you know, he, he's someone to look up to both as a political candidate and as a person. And, you know, to a degree, there's probably not one answer. There's, you know, certainly an aspect of this where awareness would go up because there's, you know, people that haven't heard of him before that are now seeing him on all these different websites. And I'm sure there are, you know, a very small segment of the population that see a video like this and think, for some reason, maybe get something to do with it, and, and they don't like it. But, you know, we get hundreds of emails every day. The vast, vast majority of them are people saying, you know, we love Obama and we love your videos. So, you know, to that end, my sense is that it's helping them more than it's hurting them. Yeah, and, you know, there's an old saying, and I know you know this because you have a background in advertising, uh, the worst publicity is is no publicity. And, uh, you know, obviously there are harmful things that can be, uh, brought to light about a political candidate. It happens all the time. But certainly something like this, which is, you know, just good fun, I, I think can only help. Yeah. And, and, and I would just say, you know, in addition, humor has always been such a huge part of politics anyways, from political cartoons to The Daily Show to Saturday Night Live. And, you know, just the same way that Jon Stewart might tell a joke ripping Barack Obama and then he'll show up on the show a few weeks later. I think candidates, you know, typically don't really have a choice. They have to have a sense of humor about this stuff. Otherwise, the public, you know, will will be disappointed that they don't. And, you know, you see that more and more where, you know, candidates will show up and, you know, appear as guests in a Saturday Live sketch. You know, a good example would be, you know, the way Bill Clinton would have, um, you know, or I'm sorry, uh, George Bush Sr. would show up in a sketch with Dana Carvey <laughs> or the way, you know, George Bush would actually invite Stephen Colbert to speak at you know at a press dinner, that's you know that tends to be the way that the candidates and politicians have handled it to actually involve themselves as opposed to distancing themselves from it. Absolutely, and you can draw you know a direct line, say you know the the, the Brian Williams you know straightforward newscast to maybe Keith Olbermann and Countdown, which has a lot of serious content, but also some you know pretty funny content to the Daily Show to the kind of stuff that you are doing at BarelyPolitical.com, which yeah. you're right, Mad TV, Saturday Night Live, they've also done uh, skits like that. What do you think you'll be doing uh, with your organization? after the 2008 election, when perhaps we have a President Obama, or who knows? Yeah. I, mean, I think we'd like to still keep focusing on politics and the news, and we intentionally chose the name Barely Political, you know, because we wanted to be able to venture out into things that, you know, were just, I guess, fairly political and not necessarily either, you know, very serious politics or, you know, directly associated with government or, you know, um, specific political issues. So I, th- I think, you know, you, you've you um, heard our song, which is coming out September 17th, which mm-hmm. is, you know, probably in that category of, you know, just barely political. And it's something I'm really, really proud of, and I think everybody involved in it is proud of it. But our goal would be we can use the next, 
year and a half to hopefully establish ourselves as a voice in this whole, uh, you know, satirical political world. And then, you know, moving on after 2008, just like Johnny Live or The Daily Show or anybody else who, you know, certainly gets a ratings spike during those events and then continues to have an audience after them, hopefully we fit in that category. And but I don't mean to keep, you know, comparing ourselves to Silent Live or The Daily Show. We certainly don't have, you know, a writing staff with those credentials yet. But, you know, to a degree, I think we model ourselves after shows like that that have been able to do really irreverent original stuff for years and years. And when it has to do with the election, you know, and right around the election, they're very topical and current. And when it's, you know, not election season, they find other ways to be really funny. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think it's uh, at all uh, extreme uh, for you to compare yourself to Saturday Night Live. On the one hand, of course, yeah, they, they've been at it for years and they have a huge number of really funny skits. But I think the stuff that you've done certainly stands right up there with the best of uh, Saturday Night Live. So uh, that's yeah. that's something that you know you you should be uh, you should be yeah. very very happy yeah, with. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, fortunately, we can kind of put them out on a you know, semi-regular basis, and and it'll start being much more regular, you know, in the next couple of weeks as we beef up our team. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's what's interesting about watching shows like Saturday Night Live is they they start to develop characters and then people want to see them on a regular basis and then eventually the character you know has to fade away because people lose interest in it. And I think we want to start to do similar things with our site where you know Obama Girl is one character. We'll certainly be introducing a lot more characters and they won't necessarily all revolve around political candidates. I mean, they definitely won't all revolve around political candidates and. You know, again, I think the big difference is we'd like to create some of these different storylines that aren't necessarily just, you know, you watch the video and you're done with it. We want people to be able to interact with these people. Yeah, you know, and uh, one thing, though, I would say, uh, being regular in terms of coming out with something on some kind of schedule uh, isn't all that it's cracked up to be, because as you just, as you just said, people do get uh, bored with it sometimes. I remember Marshall McLuhan uh, had a... Um, a journal that he published in the 1950s called Explorations, yeah. and he was really atrocious when it came to meeting deadlines. And so people would always, you know, ding him about it. You know, what's the matter with you? How come I didn't get my journal on time? And so McLuhan finally yeah. said, I've, I've liberated the world from the tyranny of, of getting something in the mail, you know, once a month on the exact day. Yeah. So Yeah, totally. There is something to be said for the unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it was a real uh, pleasure uh, talking to you. And uh, r right after this, I am going to play a cut from the uh, new song that will be coming out. Yeah, well, when, this, uh, when does this air? Well, it'll. it'll the, when is the new song coming out? September 17th, did you say? Yeah, yeah. So let's yeah. hold off on playing the new song. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's a good point. This will probably air September 13th. Well, listen, uh, listeners, then you'll just have to uh, log on to... Uh, I'll, I'll leave a link on the uh, show notes, which w you'll be able to use to get to the uh, to the new song uh, yeah, on exactly. September 17th. Yeah, exactly. That'd be good. Yeah, the new one will come out September 17th, and then if you want to play a clip, you know, you could play a clip from either the first two. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was great talking to you. And, I, you know, certainly I don't know if we're even still recording for the for the podcast here, but... You know, we have some events coming out in conjunction with the new video. So the new video comes out September 17th. September 20th is actually a live concert that Leah is doing in Manhattan. And then uh, September 1st, we're doing a couple, um, you know, smaller appearances. And one of them, uh, you know, I don't know if we can mention it on the podcast, but, you know, it's obviously yes, you can. With, your, with your classroom. And we're just really excited about that because we've gotten such a great response 
from people, you know, in college and in high school even. And it'll, it'll be fun to go in and actually talk to some of them and answer some questions and talk about more of the backstory. So, for those of you at Fordham University, uh, th- this will take place in Keating One, that big, beautiful auditorium, on September 21st from 1:30 to 2:20, and there'll be more announcements about that as well. Listen, thanks, Ben. Looking forward uh, to more in the future. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks a lot. The Light on Light Through podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's Blueberry with no E's dot com. And now a word from our new sponsor, Go to My PC. Communication theorists know that there are two kinds of information that we need to thrive in this world. One kind of information comes from the mass media, newspapers, radio, television. The other is information that we ourselves may create or write. Now, you can get the information on radio and television and the Internet just about anywhere. So what do you do when you have some very valuable information that's on your home computer and you're out there traveling somewhere, maybe across town, across the country? Use GoToMyPC and you'll discover the power and freedom of the web. Try it free right now for 30 days with unlimited access. For this special offer, just visit gotomypc.com forward slash podcast. That's gotomypc.com forward slash podcast. You're listening to a Runaway Network podcast from runawaynetwork.com. Yes, indeed, and the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast is now proud to be part of two networks, the Blueberry Network, which is sweet, and the Runaway Network, which is very edgy. And in fact, you'll find a lot of sweet and edgy stuff in the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast. And this brings us to our Flashes section. First, let me thank Ben Rellis again. And yes, we will have Ben Rellis, Amber Lee Ettinger, the Obama girl herself, and Leah Kaufman, who wrote and sang the songs at Fordham University on September 21st. That's a Friday from 1.30 to 2.20 p.m. And actually, we will be not in Keating 1, as I said in the interview, but in Keating 3 on the third floor. Why? Because they're doing some construction in Keating 1. But for those of you at Fordham University who'd like to come by and meet Ben Rellis and the Obama girl and the songwriter and singer of these great videos, you're welcome to come by. That's Keating 3, 1.30 to 2.20 p.m. on Friday, September 21st. I finally got to see the complete No Direction Home. It was a PBS special a few years ago. Martin Scorsese's biographical documentary about Bob Dylan. It was really extraordinary. Dylan really opened up. A lot of the backbone of this movie is Dylan's commentary made shortly before 2005 about the various things that happened to him pretty much from the very beginning 
up until the time that he had his motorcycle accident. And one of the things that really struck me about this movie, and I'll probably be mentioning it again uh, in some podcasts to come because there were really many things that struck me. But one thing in particular, when I heard this great performance by Bob Dylan and Joan Baez at the Newport Folk Festival in July 1963, in many ways, that was the height of Dylan as a folk singer. This was before he went electric, and I love that phase, too. But when I heard Dylan and Joan Baez sing With God on Our Side, I couldn't help thinking that here in 2007, we really haven't progressed that far, have we? Because... What was Senator Mike Huckabee saying in response to Ron Paul's critique of the war in Iraq? And Ron Paul saying we got to get out of there as soon as possible. I thought I heard Senator Huckabee say something about God on behalf of God. And this is exactly what Dylan is talking about in this wonderful searing song. So, If you have a chance, if you haven't already, I heartily recommend No Direction Home. And in particular, look for that wonderful, heart-rending performance by Bob Dylan and Joan Baez of With God on Our Side from July 1963, which sadly is as relevant today in September 2007 as it was back then. And that's the sweet music of our promo suite. That means we're coming to the end of this episode of Light On, Light Through. But coming up, you'll hear a great promo for Mike Thinks. MikeThinks.com, the savviest podcast in town. Go over and take a listen. You'll definitely enjoy it. Hey, and you're going to hear a promo for Sean Farrell's patio book of my first novel, The Silk Coat. And Sean has actually finished the patio book now. As a special treat, you'll hear an interview that Sean did with me. Actually, I don't know how much of a treat it is for you to hear more of my voice, but Sean did do a very good interview, and you can hear that now, as well as the complete patio book. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Sean's webpage. Just go over to lightonlightthrough.com, and you'll find a link for it. And you'll also hear a promo for the Punk Horror Podcast as well. So listen, it's been great talking to you. I look forward to talking to you next time. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy. the Mike Thinks Podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks Podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com.
Locus Award-winning novel by Paul Levinson comes to life in this free podcast novel. Journey into the ancient world, witness the wonder of ages past, and join Phil D'Amato in a struggle against forces both ruthless and unseen. Visit www.thesilkcode.blogspot.com to learn more about the author and the novel. And subscribe today at patiobooks.com. Join the battle, witness the wonder, or forever be victim to the awe and power of the Silk Code. Phil D'Amato is ready. Are you? Punk Horror Podcast, coming to you every other week from Punk Horror Press. Featuring The Punk and the Pastor, a movie review show featuring David Giannis and Stacey Campbell. And author Red Fiction, featuring the best in horror and punk fiction. Don't miss it. Subscribe now at www.punkhorror.com.